quarterback has obviously been a huge topic this offseason at Missouri, but what traits actually make a great quarterback, and does Brady Cook have them? Well, let's talk about this and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball each and every weekday during the Missouri football and basketball seasons. And thanks for telling a friend to go to LockedOnMizzou.com to find us wherever you get your podcasts. But of course, we've talked a ton about Brady Cook so far this offseason, about the quarterback position in general. Heck, I've even had entire episodes devoted to players that ultimately didn't end up donning the black and gold. But you know what we haven't talked about a lot? What actually makes a great quarterback? Now, maybe indirectly, I've had these observations with all the, my evaluations, but really, let's, let's get more specific and break down exactly what makes great quarterback play, especially and specifically at the college level. That's what we're talking about, right? So what made Chase Daniel great? What made Brad Smith great? In my opinion, those are the two best Missouri quarterbacks of this millennium. I don't think I'd get a ton of pushback from that argument. Fortunately, Missouri has been has had a great run of quarterbacks, quite frankly. Blaine Gabbert, Drew Locke, James Franklin, Matty Mock have all had their moments and maybe great seasons out of all those guys. But for the purposes of this show, let's just focus on Daniel and Smith for a moment. Now, to me, the first thing, and I'll also also think a little bit about how about some of the great quarterbacks in NFL history, too. What do these guys all have in common? Well, to me, really, the number one factor is something totally intangible. So we'll just call it the it factor. As the French say, a certain I don't know what. You know, leadership, moxie, all that stuff. Well, to me, even though Brad Smith and Chase Daniel obviously had very different personalities and leadership styles, I think they both had it without question. And I think that's something that was more visibly obvious with Chase Daniel, a guy who was just more verbal, to be honest, than Brad Smith. You know, if you just if you if you only looked at Brad Smith, if you just judged the book by its cover, you might think the guy's almost a little bit meek. You know, he's a religious guy, very soft-spoken, has never said a bad word about anybody, to my knowledge. But don't let that fool you. That 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 attitude and his genuine kind, the genuine kindness that he exhibits as a person certainly belies a, a highly competitive individual and a guy who is a leader of men. You don't have to necessarily say a lot to get guys to follow you. And I think we saw a great example of that this past at the Lawrence Bowers Damari Carroll basketball game. A lot of these guys were interviewed. Brad Smith among them. Sean Weatherspoon was actually interviewed and had some words about Brad Smith that surprised me. Because even though Sean never actually played with Brad Smith, he mentioned that 
that was one of the biggest reasons that he came to Missouri. Just a guy who had star qualities as an athlete that also just, he was such a genuine person. I think that's a big part of it too. Just be genuine, be who you are. And I think people will follow you, especially if you're that magnetic as an athlete. Well, here's the thing. If you want to go to Brady Cook, I actually think he checks this box. That's something I've noticed about this young man all offseason. He's just carried himself with a very quiet confidence in spite of the fact that his head coach had been scouring all of the country to try to find ostensibly his replacement before he even gets a chance at the job. But Brady Cook, being who he is, stuck around and said, as long as there's an open competition, as long as you're telling me I have a chance, I'm going to try to make it work here at Missouri. And so far, by all indications, he is not only the number one quarterback, but by a pretty comfortable margin so far in camp. So to me, this is exactly the type of personality that you want to have in the huddle, in the locker room, on the sidelines, in the quarterback room, all that good stuff. So to me, check that box for Brady Cook. Second of all, I think the other trait that almost every good quarterback has is good decision-making capabilities. Also, accuracy as well. Throwing the ball with accuracy. At the very least, not throwing the ball up for grabs to the other team. Those are really the three biggest qualities that every great, truly great quarterback has. And you can say, well, maybe Brad Smith at times, in terms of his passing accuracy, left a little bit to be desired. And I think that's correct. But he made up for that by, again, just mobility. That's another, that's another quality that I think some of the great quarterbacks of all time have had, for sure. But, but unlike, I think, the leadership qualities, the it factor, if you will, the je ne sais quoi, well, mobility, it's nice, but it's not required. See, Brad Smith was obviously the most mobile quarterback we've seen in Mizzou history. There's some other notable ones, too, of course. Phil Bradley, Corby Jones immediately spring to mind. But Drew Locke wasn't the most mobile guy in the world, and certainly he was a good quarterback. And even more to the point in the NFL, well, people openly make fun of how slow Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are. And yet, they're, of course, going straight to the NFL Hall of Fame. Similarly to mobility, a strong arm is nice, but it's not required. Chase Daniel doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, and frankly, that's probably the one thing, much more so than his height, in my opinion, that has held Daniel back from being an NFL starter. His decision-making, his accuracy, his leadership have gotten him to the point where he's a very highly compensated, multi-millionaire NFL backup quarterback for practically 15 seasons now, but... If he just had a little bit more arm strength, a little bit more zip on the ball, I have to admit there would be routes that he could actually complete that that the, the his physical limitations, let's just put it that way, eventually do show up the more he's on the field. But back to Brady Cook, what did I just I just gave you some 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 qualities that great quarterbacks often have that aren't required. Well, in terms of mobility, Brady Cook is definitely not Brad Smith, but he's more mobile than Chase Daniel, too. He can scoot a little bit, no doubt about that. And in terms of a strong arm, I actually think Brady Cook has a stronger arm than Chase Daniel 
and Brad Smith as well. Again, two of the best quarterbacks in Missouri history. And one more thing, just in terms of decision-making and accuracy, it's still obviously way too small of a sample size to judge, but so far, so good to me. You go back and you watch that Army game, as I have multiple times now, and again, so far, so good. Let's not let's not lose our minds just yet after one start, but everything Brady Cook has shown for me on the field yet gives me lots of reasons for optimism. So I just think, listen, I'm not trying to exactly compare Brady Cook to Chase Daniel and Brad Smith and trying to say he's that good, but when you really break it down, you break down all of his qualities, he's got all of the qualities that you would want to have in somebody who's going to be a good college quarterback. So at the very least, I think that's what we're going to see from Brady. Don't want to put too much pressure on the young man, but you know what? As competitive as he is, I think he puts enough pressure on himself. And coming up, the Tiger football team has already completed its NCAA allotted two scrimmages. But unless you're really paying attention, you probably haven't heard that many details about either one. Precious few details coming out of camp this year. And I continue to think the lack of media access these days is a really big mistake by the Missouri football program. But you know what? Before we get there, I do want to shift gears here for a second, a more serious topic. Let's just picture this for a second. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start heading out, you think about calling for a ride. But, eh, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance will go up, lose your license, lose your job, maybe total your car, kill somebody. Well, everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay after a few drinks, think again, play it safe, and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Once again, both full scrimmages for Missouri, at least majority of practices, that's the rule, I suppose. You get two scrimmages that are a majority of practice in NCAA football during fall camp here. And, well, both scrimmages have been completed by Missouri already at this point. No no objections to that particular scheduling whatsoever. But what I do object to is the fact that Missouri fans have, as far as I can tell, precious little to no details about said scrimmages. Perhaps I need to invest in a drone to hover above the Cadillac practice facilities, the Cadillac, excuse me, practice facilities at some point because I continue to just think scaling back all this access is just a huge, huge mistake. I'm reminded of, I mentioned Chase Daniel, obviously, in the previous segment multiple times. Well, during those that famous 07 run, that era of Missouri football even extended to the end of the Big 12. I mean, it was basically free-for-all as far as media access goes. Basically, anybody with a press credential 
could watch the entire practice, could take all the notes they want, could interview any player they requested on the team. But now just everything is completely, completely closed except for the occasional, hey, watch some drills, hey, watch this kick or kick the ball into a net for a while or something like that. Gives you absolutely no insight to the team whatsoever. But to be fair, as I say insight there, I will stop myself. I actually have no idea if any of this stuff had any predictive value for Missouri whatsoever. But all I know is this. Each and every day, whenever there was a Mizzou scrimmage, certainly, but even just practice drills and You'd let you'd get Dave Matter from the Columbia Daily Tribune, for instance. You not only got his daily practice reports in the newspaper and online, well, you also got, in addition to that, even more thoughts. There was so much for Dave to get out there. He'd give you an actual blog exclusive online at the Tribune where you'd get even more information about the Tigers heading into August. Again, I don't know how how predictive any of this was, but as a fan, it sure got me excited for the season. And I think all Missouri fans would be much more hyped about the season at this point if there simply was more hype. And I'm not talking about manufactured hype. I'm talking about I'm not talking about Dave Matter or David Morrison, who was who later was in this era as well and did massive practice reports for Missouri in the Columbia Tribune. I'm not talking about these guys becoming cheerleaders for the team. Just them giving us their own constant observations. Hey, this guy made a big hit in the secondary. Wow, what a catch by Luther Burden down the sidelines. If I'm just hearing about Luther Burden during the occasional amazing thing in practice, which I'm sure he's doing, by the way, guess who gets hyped for football because of that? This guy, and I'm sure you listening to this would get more hyped for it as well. There's an obvious symbiotic relationship here. Give the media more access, and guess what? They're going to sell more more newspapers. You give the media more access, and people like myself will actually show up and get out, get out a notebook and take a bunch of notes and stuff. Believe me, if... If Missouri media members had the same access to practice that they did back in the back in the Pinkle era during the waning days of the Big 12, by God, I would be there every single day because it'd be great content for not only me, but for you as fans. So what are we doing here? What is the point of this? Again, back when Missouri had tons of media access. Well, those were some of the best seasons Missouri's ever had, including 2007, 2008, 2009 was fun. 2010 was really good too. So again, I just don't know what we're accomplishing here. It's not as though there were obviously rules, you know, you would lose your media access if suddenly, if suddenly Dave Matter was explaining, Hey, they're using this trick play here or these formations there, but you don't need any of that stuff. Just tell me which players are looking good. Tell me which players are, are making tackles and making catches and who's throwing the ball well and all that good stuff. But as it is right now, all we really have to go on is complete conjecture. We know Brady Cooks looked the best in court at quarterback because, well, they named him the starter. But other than that, how do the rest of these guys look? Has Sam Horn made any flash plays in practice yet? 
Well, how about Tyler Macon and Jack Abraham? What are they looking like so far? We have absolutely no idea whatsoever, and I'm continuing to just think that's a huge, huge mistake. In order to build hype, just let it build. You don't even have to do anything or hire anybody. Just let people like me and Dave Matter show up. And coming up, it sure sounds like a converted wide receiver is going to be seeing the field on defense this season. Plus, in the new NIL world, is it okay to boo college athletes? Well, let's talk about that after these quick words. Jamarian Wayne, an athlete in high school, I suppose, was signed by Missouri out of Parkway West High School in Baldwin, Missouri. I think most assume that Jamarian, including myself, would be a wide receiver at Missouri, but obviously already as a true freshman, he's been moved to the other side of the ball. According to Blake ba- Blake Baker, boy, I have trouble with that one on occasion. Excuse me, say that three times fast. But yes, Blake Baker, the new Missouri defensive coordinator, easy for me to say, say says Jamarian Wayne is at the free safety spot right now, and he definitely flashes. He's yes sir, no sir, always smiling. You can see him the last three days picking up the system. It is absolutely realistic that he sees the field. So sort of my point yesterday about the second string just about everywhere on this football team, including the quarterback position, running back, and apparently at all the safety spots as well, I think it's really wide open. There aren't a lot of first string spots that are up for grabs at this point, but in terms of getting reps, getting rotated in on the defensive line, maybe in the secondary, well, a lot of available reps potentially are there for somebody like Jamarian Wayne, who at coming out of high school listed at 6'3", 180 pounds. I assume he's maybe put on some good muscle so far in the Missouri Strength and Conditioning Program, but 6'3", that's a pretty darn good size for a three set, for a free safety, excuse me. So I am definitely definitely bullish on Jamarian Wayne's prospects. You know, a guy who's a good athlete coming out of high school, a four-star composite athlete according to 247sports.com so hey just an interesting note there in my humble opinion now occasionally I answer mailbag questions here on the program but Gabe DeArmond over at powermazoo.com does a weekly mailbag for his paid subscribers on Wednesday and today part of the topics or one topic I should say was Is it okay, or at least does it change the equation a little bit, on booing players in college sports now that many of them are getting paid? And I'll just say, for me, it doesn't really change the equation because I was never much of a booing guy. I don't even boo Kansas City Chiefs players when they're 2-14 and at Arrowhead Stadium. I just don't really see the upside of booing your own players. Is that going to make them try harder? Does that improve morale? It seems to be demoralizing to me, if anything. At least that's my assumption. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not actually moralizing here because I've been known to yell out in frustration at Missouri games to no one in particular, mostly to the heavens. And is, is that better? Is that better behavior than booing? Well, no, it really isn't. And frankly, I should knock it off. Especially since I have a microphone now. I don't have to just shout into the heavens about Missouri football. But my thing is, again, 
yes, these guys are getting paid now, but I, I just don't see how that's what's the upside of, oh my God, let's say Luther Burden has a couple drops in a row. Well, dang it, that guy's got some money now, so I'm going to shake my fist at him. I'm just not sure where that gets you as a Missouri fan. If he drops a couple balls in a row, anybody who drops a couple balls in a row or misses a block, misses a tackle, whatever it might be, I'm sure they're as mad about it as anybody. I know that when I make a mistake on this program or playing golf or something stupid like that, not only am I the most mad about it, I might in fact be the only person on the planet who actually gives a crap. So let's all keep in mind a basic human psychology there. Again, not trying to moralize anybody here, but booing, what exactly is the upside? Somebody's going to have to explain that one to me. And I just thought if we're going to if we're going to parse this based on name, image and likeness, well, not all of these guys are getting paid. So Am I going to have to have this as part of the program? In fact, let's request that right now. In the game day programs, put everybody's name, image, and likeness salary every year. Let's find out what these guys are getting paid. So each and every snap, I know how I can emotionally react to the play. But obviously, I'm kidding there, folks. But hey. Thanks for joining me on this particular program. We'll be back with you tomorrow and Friday with John Garcia. We're going to talk some Mizzou recruiting with the football recruiting expert here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So look forward to that. And also, please make your second listen Locked On SEC with my pal, Chris Gordy. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and thanks for listening to Locked On Mizzou. Mizzou.